The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So this week we're having a daily life practice retreat where we're coming together mornings and evenings to focus on practice in daily life. And tonight I'd like to talk about some of the themes and or one main theme that has come up this week that I've talked about in bits and pieces through the week, kind of just put it all together. And the, the topic is mindfulness and recognizing awareness. So I'd like to start by exploring a little bit about what mindfulness actually is. I think of a good working definition for mindfulness as being being aware of ha- of what's happening while it's happening, or knowing what's happening while it's happening. The while it's happening part is important because there's a form of awareness that happens all the time. That, we're, that there's always some kind of awareness of what's going on happening, but we're not always aware in the moment of what's happening in the moment. We're often lost in thought or um, just spacing out and not particularly conscious of what's actually going on, either in our physical experience or um, in our emotional experience. I'm sure some of you have had the experience of, of, uh, you know, reading a book or something and being kind of absorbed in what you're doing, being, being on the computer or just in some way being absorbed in an experience and then having somebody come into the room and, you know, not really, kind of knowing that they're there, but not really knowing that they're there. But if somebody later asked you, did so and so come into the room, you probably could have said yes or no. So there was an awareness going on, but without really the kind of highlighting of the knowing of that experience of the person coming in the room while it happened. So this quality of mindfulness is a quality of knowing what's happening while it's happening. And it has a few qualities that tend to come along with it that when we are in that space of mindfulness, it tends to pull along non-judgment and non-reactivity. So the, a fuller definition of mindfulness might be a non-judgmental, non-reactive awareness of what's happening while it's happening. Because we can also be aware of what's happening but be completely reactive to it. And that is not quite the kind of awareness that we're cultivating in our meditation practice. So with this idea or the the quality of mindfulness being non-reactive and non-judgmental, that raises the question of, well, can we be mindful of reactivity? 
And yes, we can be mindful of reactivity. We can be non-reactive to reactivity. So if there is some anger coming up in our experience, we can observe the anger without being reactive to the anger itself. The anger may be a reaction to something in our experience. So the anger itself is a reaction, but so that the anger then is what's happening in the present moment in our experience, and we can be not reactive to the anger. We can observe the anger. I'm going to use a prop here. The movement of paying attention to something like anger. So at first in our experience, the anger is as if we're looking through colored glasses. We're looking through the colored glasses. So the, the, the anger is the colored glasses and it's coloring our experience. Everything we see is, is filtered by that color. And the movement of mindfulness is to know, first of all, the first part of it is to know that we're looking through the, 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 the colored glasses, to at least know that the colored glasses are there. And then to be able to take them off and look at them so that we are clearly seeing the colored glasses. We're clearly seeing the anger, but no longer through a lens of colored glasses, no longer through a lens of reactivity. So that is possible. It's possible in our mindfulness. With respect to our reactive emotions, a mindfulness allows a being with an observation of reactive emotions without an acting out on. And this quality or capacity of mindfulness to allow us to not be reactive to our reactivity is a huge part of why we do this practice. In our usual state of mind, in our usual way that we engage in our lives, we're kind of running on habitual tendencies that we we find ourselves reacting to things similarly through our lives we 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 some of us may have patterns of frustration or worry or anxiety or anger or irritation that it seems like they keep getting activated these patterns these habitual ways that we respond to our environment. And it seems as though they're kind of subconscious, that something happens and we just move into it. It doesn't seem like we have much choice about the matter. You might have experienced something like that. And that understand for yourself that these kind of habitual patterns and habitual reactivity is part of the reason we suffer and have stress in our lives. 
these habitual patterns and reactive emotions are difficult for us. We don't really want to be this way, but we don't feel like we have much choice. It feels like that it's coming from something that we don't have control over. The more I explore the mind through mindfulness, the more I think of what we usually call the subconscious or what we, where we think we don't have control, the more I think of it as a movable barrier. That when we're in our normal state of awareness without being very mindful, the barrier of our subconscious is kind of high, you know, kind of up to our eyeballs and subconsciousness. And things, the reactivity comes out from under the surface and we don't feel like we have much control. But the more and more we bring awareness to our experience, the more we see actually that that what we think of as our subconscious is just things that we're not yet able to be aware of. And the mindfulness kind of lowers that horizon and we start to be able to see more and more of the beginnings of our reactivity. So we actually start to see when we have a choice. We, we, we start to see these choice points for having reactions. We, we start to see that actually we choose to be angry or peaceful. So the mindfulness can help us to lower that horizon so that we really can clearly see where our suffering is coming from in the first place. And we start to see that we have some way to navigate around our reactivity. And we start to see that we can suffer less through this movement of being mindful. Now, our original experience in mindfulness, when we start this process, mostly what we can do is just notice that we're, we're angry. We're looking through the lens of anger, and it's very hard to take the, the, the glasses off. But we sure know that we're looking through those glasses, and we know that it's unpleasant. We know that it's painful. And it feels like, why do I want to be mindful of this? <laughs> this is unpleasant. <laughs> why do I even want to do this? Over time, we start to see this movement of being able to look at the anger instead of looking through it. And we begin to see how much space, there's more, that there's space around the anger, around our reactivity. There's, there's space around what we are reacting to. And in that space, we start to see that this movement of mindfulness is the path or the activity that can lead us to less suffering. Even when we're still experiencing the reactivity, we're looking at it instead of looking through it, and there is less of a feeling of being caught by it, less of a feeling of being manipulated by something that's subconscious. 
So we really start to experience the benefits of mindfulness the more we engage with our experience. So the more mindful we become, the less reactive we are. There's more balance of mind, more ability to just be with what is without reacting to the unpleasant to push it away or being angry with it or hating it or being pulled to to have to have pleasant things, to have to construct our environment endlessly to be surrounded by sense pleasure. So there's more balance of mind. And there's a feeling of an openness of heart that comes the more we connect both to our own experience and to the suffering and joys of others. So the heart opens, the mind becomes more balanced. We become responsive instead of reactive. Sometimes I think people feel worried that, you know, if I just become mindful, I'm just going to be sitting there like a blob just taking things in. And, you know, it's like, if I don't have my reactivity, then I'm not going to be feeling things. But the responsiveness of the open heart feels, I think, more deeply in a way. It touches, the open heart can really touch the joy and the sorrow of the world and stay balanced and connected. So responsive rather than reactive. So this quality of mindfulness is very useful to cultivate and particularly useful to cultivate in our daily lives, which is what we're working with this week so much. Because in our daily lives, you know, if we're sitting in meditation, we can kind of seclude ourselves. We, we become, we're in this little isolated bubble of our meditation and we're not meeting the things that uh, we're not we're not uh, meeting the uh, the world in a way that creates the reactivity. Now we do get to meet our own minds in a way that we see reactivity, but we clearly see this is the construction of the mind. And so there's a kind of seclusion that can happen with meditation. And bringing mindfulness into our daily lives is really where the rubber meets the road. You know, this is where we react. This is where we get pulled into all kinds of twisted shapes. When we're trying to be with our partners, our children, our co-workers, there's a lot of friction there. And a lot of stress, a lot of suffering, a lot of reactivity. They shouldn't do that. They shouldn't do that. I shouldn't have responded that way. I did that wrong. They did that wrong. I did that well. They could have done that better. There's all kinds of reactivity that we meet in our daily lives. So this is an ideal place to bring our mindful awareness. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could be mindful and non-reactive, open-hearted and connected 
to our experience and the people around us. So cultivating mindfulness. To start with, I think the reason we start with the meditation practice, and I actually think of the the daily life practice as being like the graduate level mindfulness practice. You know, we learn meditation sitting on a cushion and then taking it into our daily lives, that's the advanced practice. You know, that's, that's where it really gets hard. That's where we really have to, to, to bring as much of our, um, compassion and open-heartedness and mindfulness to bear on what, what happens to us. So it's really, it's challenging. And we begin our cultivation of mindfulness often through this sitting practice. Probably the easiest place, the easiest way to begin to cultivate mindfulness is through choosing a focus of attention, like the breathing. So in sitting meditation, we we sit and we direct our attention to the breathing. There are many benefits to this kind of practice. It it makes it very easy to notice when the mind gets lost. If you're if you have a focus of attention, you have a focus of attention. You're you're paying attention to the breathing. It's pretty clear when your mind goes off and starts having a conversation with somebody that, when you wake up into the middle of that conversation, that that that's a construct of the mind and that you haven't been paying attention. So you come back. You come back to the breathing. So it's easy to notice when you have a focus of attention. It's easy to notice when you've lost the awareness, lost the mindfulness. You also start to get familiar with what it means to stay in the present moment as you have a focus of attention. So you get familiar with being with something while it's happening, knowing that you're breathing while you're breathing. You get very familiar with that. So you get a sense of what it means to be mindful. You maybe even get a little bit of a sense of the non-judgmental aspect and the non-reactive aspect to being present for the breathing. And you also begin to clearly start to see some of the habits of the mind. Because you have this focus of attention, you see the ways that the mind leaves that focus and the ways that the mind leaves that focus are often reflections of the ways that we react in our world, in the world, in our daily lives. That a thought appears in the mind and then we react to that thought in the way we might react in the world if we had met that situation in the world. So we, we imagine we're sitting there and breathing, minding our own business, breathing, and suddenly an image of being at work appears, talking to a coworker. And there's frustration that arises because that particular coworker is doing something you don't want them to do. And you create the situation of frustration in your mind in response to that image having appeared. So the paying attention to the breathing, we start to see the habits of mind the ways that we tend to get caught, the patterns, the familiar patterns that we engage in, 
that are a microcosm of how we respond in the world. So we start to see the habits of our mind through the, through the, the losing of our attention. So all this is very beneficial. It supports a settling of mind. It supports a little bit of a lessening of reactivity as we let go of those habits and come back to the breathing. We start to see we can let go of those habits of mind, at least in our meditation. We can let go of them. We can remind ourselves, okay, that's not happening. Come back to the breathing. So we start to see there's a little bit of control, a little bit of uh, letting go that happens for us. A little bit of relaxation and ease. Lessening of reactivity. And this can carry over into our daily lives to some extent. There's a, there can be, if we, if we meditate every morning, there can be a kind of a, a settling that happens. Kind of like setting yourself up for the day to start with a period of calm and non-reactivity. It, it reminds you in a way that that's a possibility for your life. And yet still people often report I meditate all the time and I still have trouble being aware in my daily life. I still react all the time. So how do we do that? How do we break into a mindfulness in daily life? So to talk about that, I want to talk a little bit more about mindfulness itself. It's said that the proximate cause of mindfulness, so the thing that makes mindfulness tend to arise, is mindfulness. So that seems like a (laughs) catch-22. How do we do that? Well, there's two kinds of mindfulness, actually. I can, there's, there's many ways to break apart mindfulness. One, one way of looking at mindfulness is through this lens of there being two kinds of mindfulness, where the, the kind of mindfulness that we normally think of is called prompted mindfulness, that when we are mindful, we actively remind ourselves to be mindful. That's what we do in sitting meditation, very much. You know, that's what we do when we are in our sitting. We turn our attention to the breathing and we keep reminding ourselves, pay attention to the breathing. Pay attention to the breathing. We may use a mental note like in and out or rising, falling as a way to support that being present. So we're prompting mindfulness through using these techniques. The note itself is kind of a little prompt. Pay attention, pay attention. So there's this prompted mindfulness which takes some effort. And then there is what is called unprompted mindfulness, which is just spontaneously arising mindfulness that happens to us. 
Now, this happens all the time, actually. Anytime you sit down in meditation, you get many moments of this unprompted mindfulness. Anytime your mind wanders and you remember that you've forgotten to pay attention, that moment of remembering that you've forgotten is a moment of unprompted mindfulness. This unprompted mindfulness is spontaneous, it's effortless, it just happens. It's nothing we are doing. It's more the seeds of causes and conditions have come together to create mindfulness appearing in the moment. So at times throughout our day, actually pretty frequently throughout our day, this unprompted mindfulness appears effortlessly, spontaneously, for just a moment. And it happens much more frequently than we realize, but we just don't notice it. We don't notice it because it's, it can be kind of subtle and because we have a habit of doing something with that moment of spontaneous mindfulness. We couldn't actually get through our day without knowing what's happening while it's happening in little spurts throughout the day. But we just don't recognize the quality of knowing as being something that's worth paying attention to. And we've been trained through our whole lives that when we know what's happening while it's happening, that that means we do something with it. We see a stain on the floor. That means we're supposed to go down and clean it up. For, for a moment there, we, we, we were there. We knew that the stain was on the floor. For a split second, there was a knowing of that while it was happening. But it was just so fleeting that it wasn't noticed. It wasn't called out to us as being the quality of awareness. So we often get a split second of knowing what's happening and then we immediately start thinking about what we need to do with that thing that we knew. We just don't notice the mindfulness itself. It's such an ordinary quality of mind, this mindfulness. That's another reason I think we don't notice these spontaneous arisings of mindfulness. It's like, you know, just ordinary. Nothing special. It's just something that happens to us. It's kind of like the air we breathe. It's just so present, so ubiquitous, that we just don't notice this quality of mindfulness as something that's worth paying attention to in and of its own right. And this was really, uh, I, I am so grateful to the Buddha for having pointed out to us, pay attention to this quality. This is really important. If you pay attention to the quality of mindfulness, it has all of these beautiful properties that we were, t- that I was talking about earlier. And it helps us to navigate our lives. Who would think that this completely ordinary quality had so much power? It took a mind like the Buddha's to really recognize the power of mindfulness.
So in our usual way of cultivating mindfulness, we use the prompted mindfulness. And the prompted mindfulness actually can only work when a moment of unprompted mindfulness has appeared in the first place. So this is how mindfulness is the proximate cause for mindfulness. When we have a moment of recognizing, a moment of unprompted mindfulness, we can then use it to actively try to cultivate more moments of mindfulness. So this is how the process begins to work. And there's another way to cultivate mindfulness. That's that's uh, a little less effortful. And this is to get familiar with what it feels like when unprompted mindfulness appears. What does it feel like when you wake up after having been lost in thought? So this is, this is, um, it, it can be a challenging thing to notice initially. But again, it's something, it happens to us so much that we just don't tend to think of looking for it or recognizing it. So we can learn to recognize this spontaneous re-arising of mindfulness, which can lead us to noticing it more often. Essentially what happens is that when we get a clear sense of what it feels like to come back into mindfulness, when we get a clear understanding of what that is, then those moments that happen all the time throughout our day start to point themselves out to us because we now know what it feels like. And knowing what it feels like, we recognize it when it happens. This style of practice is its a little different than the prompted mindfulness. Basically, what we're doing is learning to recognize an effortless mindfulness and learning to recognize that, we start to recognize it happening more often. And this begins to pull a thread of awareness through our day because we just keep seeing, oh, here I am, here I am, I'm back. I'm back in awareness in an effortless way, over and over again, noticing that. So how do we get familiar with this feeling? This feeling of waking up. The easiest place to recognize it is in this moment of remembering that you've forgotten to be mindful. So that happens a lot in sitting meditation. And it also happens all, a lot throughout our day. So this moment of remembering. In the moment, if we're, if we're actively meditating, if we're actively paying attention to our breathing, and we have a moment of remembering, oh, I've forgotten to pay attention to our breathing. Pay attention to my breathing. A lot, often what happens in that moment is that we judge ourselves for having forgotten. We think we've screwed up. 
we've been a bad meditator because we haven't been able to be perfectly, continuously mindful for the entire time. It's nearly impossible to be perfectly, continuously mindful. It takes a lot of practice to get to that place. So um, the moments of remembering that happen throughout the our sitting, can we can just use those as opportunities now to, instead of judging ourselves for being a failure, use it as a, as a moment to check into this feeling of what is this unprompted mindfulness like anyway? Because it has just come up spontaneously. So using that moment, instead of judging ourselves, we kind of miss the moment through the judging. You know, we think, oh, I need to be with the breath and come back to the breath. So we kind of miss that moment of remembering. What does it feel like now? What does it feel like to have that mindfulness come back? In our daily lives, this is even a little harder because there's nothing to contrast with or often there's nothing, nothing much to contrast or, or, or to remember. Oh, I'm supposed, to, I, I, I'm supposed to be paying attention. In our sitting practice, we have this focus. I'm trying to pay attention to something. And so there's a contrast when we forget. In our daily lives, we can go on for a whole day and never once think about mindfulness at all. So it's helpful. I find it helpful to suggest for people to pick something to help them remember about mindfulness. Something that happens throughout your day regularly, standing up, perhaps changing postures, just something that you do regularly to try to remember about. And having that will help you to have moments when you remember that you've forgotten to pay attention. So that you'll get some some of those moments of unprompted mindfulness that you recognize in your daily life, having a task like that. So it can start to, you can start to get a sense of what it means to wake up into mindfulness in the midst of your day. What does that feel like? So in that waking up, in that coming back into mindfulness, There's a contrast, there can be a contrast between what it felt like to be lost and what it feels like now to be aware. Right now, do you know that you're aware? What does it feel like to be aware? That feeling of awareness is kind of a subtle feeling. Sometimes it's not so obvious to us. Often we're aware of what we are aware of. We're aware of pressure on our feet or butt. Aware of our hands. We're aware of our lips touching. So there's the the thing that we're aware of and there's this kind of knowing of what we're aware of. And again, that quality of knowing is so familiar that it's hard to get to put our fingers on. It's 
hard to, to, to touch in and say, yes, that's the feeling of knowing. That's the feeling of awareness. One of my teachers points again to an analogy of using glasses with respect to knowing this feeling of awareness. And he points to the fact that, you know, if you wear glasses, and those of you who don't, hopefully you can imagine this, when you wear glasses, the way that you see the world clearly is because of the glasses. But we're not usually focused on the glasses themselves. You know, we're, we're, we're focused on the clarity of the world. But it's through the glasses that we're able to see the clarity of the world. And the knowing is kind of like that. It's through the mind's capacity to know that we see the world. So in your experience of knowing the this feeling of your butt, knowing the feeling of your hands, just holding the possibility that you might also be able to know the feeling of knowing. In this moment of remembering, it's a little easier to get in touch with this feeling of knowing because of the contrast. Because a moment or two before, you had been lost in thought, not mindful, not with that sense of knowing what's happening while it's happening. And then the mindfulness comes back. So there's a moment of kind of contrast. And in that moment of contrast, you can remember a little bit about what it felt like to be lost and have a little bit of a sense of the difference between being lost and being present. And that, for me at least, was a a doorway into beginning to sense or feel what the awareness is like. What What is that feeling of knowing like? Getting familiar with that feeling of knowing will help you to touch into those moments of awareness that happen because that feeling of knowing will be there. You'll just, it's, it's like a kind of a brightness. It's like the light comes on in the midst of our experience. The light comes on and we, it's like we see things. We know things. We know what's happening as opposed to being kind of in this fog, this dull fog, or a whole huge story of a past experience. So waking up into the midst of experience is kind of like a light goes on. It illuminates, the mindfulness illuminates what's happening right now. And we can get a sense of what that illumination is. So sometimes as we remember that we've forgotten to be aware, remember we've forgotten, it's not quite such a clear-cut distinction. Sometimes we can actually see the moment when that bubble bursts of, wow, I was just in the, in the history of an old relationship and that relationship is gone, and here I am walking down the street. You know, it's just very clear. It's like being released from a dream in an instant. It's very clear sometimes. But other times it's more like 
climbing out of the mud. You know, it's like there's not really much mindfulness, but there's a little bit of mindfulness. But by the time we realize that the mindfulness has kicked in, it's been a little while. So our ability to actually recognize, clearly recognize that mindfulness has arisen takes it takes a little bit more of a uh, it takes a little bit more of the mindfulness before we notice it. So it, the mindfulness has to get a little stronger before it comes up to our level of seeing it. That there can be a weak kind of mindfulness, a weak kind of knowing what's happening that's just not above the level of our horizon. So we can't really see it until the mindfulness gets a little stronger. And then it's like, oh, yeah, okay, now I can see. I can see the mindfulness. Partly, I think, we have a, an idea about what it feels like when we are present. Because through our practice of meditation, we get very familiar with particular ways that mindfulness feels. We get familiar with what it feels like when we're focused on the breathing. We get familiar with what it feels like when we're aware of an emotion. We get familiar with some specific ways that it feels to be mindful. And so we um, assume that the mind has to be in certain states in order to be mindful. How many of you have had the thought in a meditation, something like, there's too much sleepiness here. I can't be mindful because there's too much sleepiness. If you can know enough to say there's sleepiness there, there's enough mindfulness to be aware of the sleepiness. What we're doing with that is we've got this idea that Mindfulness means something other than being with sleepiness. It means having a mind that's clear and not sleepy and able to connect with the objects in our experience. Mindfulness can be completely aware of sleepiness. I've used this analogy several times, but I'm going to use it again because I like it. I like to compare mindfulness and awareness to a mirror. And the mirror simply reflects experience. It reflects what's in the room. And it doesn't matter what's in the room. It can reflect beautiful things. It can reflect ugly things. The mirror doesn't care. The reflecting power of the mirror is not changed by what it reflects. So this, in a sense, is a kind of a nice analogy for the knowing capacity of the mind that is non-judgmental and non-reactive. The knowing capacity of the mind doesn't care whether it's knowing something pleasant or unpleasant. It just knows that. So it doesn't matter. To the knowing power of the mind, it doesn't matter what's happening. It can just know. That's, that's its function, to know. Now let's take this uh, mirror analogy a little bit further and think of the bathroom mirror after you've taken a shower where it's fogged up, steam on the mirror. So you can't see the objects in the room. 
So the mirror, we, we could say it's not functioning the way a mirror should. But you know that the mirror is reflecting the steam perfectly. The reflecting power of the mirror is not changed by the steam. It's just reflecting something that's very close to it. And even if you put masking tape over the mirror, it would be reflecting the masking tape. So this is a kind of an analogy for uh, the mind in its sleepy state. You know, we're trying, what we think of as mindfulness is the mind clear of fog. That only the mind clear of fog can be mindful. But the mind can be aware of sleepiness. It can be perfectly clearly aware of fogginess and dullness. So there are different ways that the mind can feel when it's mindful, depending on what it is mindful of. Now the aware quality of the mind is pretty much the same. But we are so tied to the things we're aware of that that's that 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 our understanding of what mindfulness feel feels like gets tied to particular experiences particularly clear experiences usually oh that's what mindfulness is when i can clearly stay with my breathing and know all the little details of my breathing that's a form of mindfulness so I'm trying to open and expand your idea about what mindfulness is. So this coming into mindfulness, the coming into awareness again, from that moment, that moment of remembering, might be coming through the fog. So... Hold the possibility that it might be possible to notice the foggy mind appearing. I had this experience a couple mornings ago. I'm teaching morning and evening every day this week, and so I'm not getting a lot of sleep. And so I was pretty sleepy at breakfast time. I was kind of spacing out over my cereal. The mind was in this zone, buzzing kind of place. And the mind woke up into that buzzing, zoned out feeling. And just noticing that, not trying to change it, not trying to stop it, not trying to clear up the fog so that I could pay attention to my cereal, but just feeling that zoned out feeling. It actually was kind of a relief in a way. It's like, oh yeah, the mind's pretty tired. <laughs> it's okay, it's fine, you know. And it, it was, it was not an unpleasant experience. It was just, it actually was a kind of a relaxing experience to allow it and not fight it. To just hang out with that zoned out feeling. And actually hanging out with it, I noticed it kind of clear, like the mist clears on a foggy morning as the sun rises. The mindfulness actually serves almost like that. 
that sun that, that gently, gently, slowly allows the fog to dissipate. And after some time, the fog rose. But there was no fighting or struggling with it. Just what, what it is. The mind comes into awareness in the midst of something. Can we be aware of whatever that is? So this is partly about waking up into what is already happening. Not trying to construct something else because we have an idea about what mindfulness should be. The whole idea of mindfulness is to be aware of what is happening while it's happening. And as mindfulness comes into being, there's something that's already happening. And mindfulness is really waking up into that. So there's no one way it might feel, actually. There are many, many different ways that it might feel when we wake up into mindfulness. This uh, feeling of the mindfulness, the becoming familiar with the feeling of being aware, often as people start to get familiar with this feeling, there's a sense of a little bit of space. There's a sense of um, that that you're not kind of hooked into something, that you're observing it from a distance. So that that's one way it kind of can feel when we become aware of the mindfulness itself. That it feels like there's a, a little bit of space, like there's a distance between us and what we're observing. And that feels like a relief, that I'm not just, you know, sucked into that thing and caught by it. There's some distance. And that's not the only way that can feel either. There's, there is at least one other way that I'm familiar with, and there may be more. There can be a sense of the awareness of the mindfulness kind of arising into the midst of the experience. No separation between the experience and the knowing. And still no reactivity. It's almost as if in that first situation, whatever we're paying attention to has got some shape. You know, it's like, you know, this, this thing we're looking at. And the awareness is bigger than that thing. So it feels like that the awareness surrounds it and that there's space around it. The other one feels more like the awareness comes up inside the thing and completely takes the exact shape of that thing. So there's no resistance, no sense of um, judgment or reactivity to it, but there's also no feeling of separation from it. So the reason I say that is because sometimes people, again, have an idea that, oh, when I'm aware of the mindfulness, it feels like this space. It feels like there's a separation, a distance between me and the thing. It might not always feel that way. Sometimes it has this other quality of just, it's just like 
again, that moment of mindfulness appearing in the midst of having been lost, the mindfulness comes back up. In that moment, that feeling for me is very much that feeling of mindfulness just appearing in the midst of the experience. And it's not a distance or a separation from that experience. It's just, I'm awake in the midst of moving my arm or pouring the milk or... It's very simple, very obvious, very ordinary, actually. Very ordinary. And sometimes we miss that as being awareness because it's so ordinary. So I think I'll stop here pretty much. Uh, We've got just a few minutes. Um, I want to leave some time, a a few minutes at least, for... Any questions or or comments? And mostly I want to encourage you to explore your awareness. Explore your day in your daily life. What does it mean to be aware? Yeah, Diana. I have a question. It's um Regarding the the first part of your talk with the, when you were working with the the glasses, the glasses, I like that it was helpful. Thank you. <laughs> so I think that when um, I feel like I can do that, I can sometimes take off the lenses and look at them, but then I this I feel like I should be able to just put them down, and I can't. Like I put them back on and take them off, but I'm like this, and so I was just thinking like. But in your in your example, you just put them down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. I mean, a lot of the time with strong habitual patterns, it's more like this goes on for a long yeah. time <laughs> before anything really shifts. But at the same time, we begin to see, we feel a little more space when we're looking at them. Um, I think part of the reason... Um, it's hard to put them down is because there's so much identification with the experience. And there is an idea also that happens to us the more we engage in our mindfulness practice that if I'm mindful of it, it should go away. Yes. That I'm doing something wrong if it's not going away. Well, sometimes the, the habit itself has more momentum than our mindfulness. And so it's not that mindfulness isn't that you're doing it wrong. It's just that the pattern itself has a little more momentum than the mindfulness is quite able to meet. And also sometimes with this idea that it should go away, we're actually engaging in a little bit of resistance to the thing itself, which is not really seen in the mindfulness. And that resistance to the thing actually kind of locks it in place. It locks it in place. So there's another movement that I like to um, to explore when I come into into awareness. And a lot of times, actually, what I notice the the mind coming into awareness that some of the more frequent times I notice the mind coming into awareness in my daily life is when I'm suffering. Suffering is a great mindfulness bell. You know, I notice frustration. So this this frustration has arisen. And what I'm coming into awareness into the midst of is this frustration. The movement of mindfulness in that situation for me and, and, uh, you know, the 
It's not, it's not actually to go leap on the frustration and try to, okay, what is this frustration trying to kind of fix it or figure it out? We often get into that habit of, okay, something's arisen, I've got to observe it, I've got to understand it, and we kind of like try to take it apart and figure it out. The movement that I've been finding most helpful is to kind of, with whatever, whatever we've woken up into the midst of, like it's like this feeling of frustration, there's an energetic feeling to that experience, whether it's anger or frustration. It's kind of like this wave of experience has overtaken us. And the mindfulness can catch that wave. So that's kind of like the mindfulness coming inside the experience again as opposed to viewing it from a distance. So the mindfulness can like catch the wave of the frustration and just ride it and not have to try to fix it or change it or manipulate it. And in that riding of the wave, it's kind of like we get to see the wave on the other side. So that's a lot of my movement these days when I wake up into the midst of something. It's like, oh, what's that energy? It's like there's just this rising feeling of some, of some experience. Just catch that wave and not resist it and not act on it. So letting go of the thoughts, you know, letting go of the thoughts around it, which tend to take us into a spiral around it. For me, that's been a huge uh, shift you know, that, that really it's not about getting rid of things. It's just about really being able to open to, wow, what's this? This is a frustration. How amazing. Frustration is arising. How amazing. <laughs> so do you think it would be accurate to say that, so um, if I could see the lens, I take it off and I look at it, but then I quickly am putting on another lens that is saying resistance yes. or aversion. So I need to take those off as well and look at the Exactly, yes. When we okay. get into the resistance, if we're looking through any kind of a lens, it's helpful to, oh, okay, yep, resistance. And that itself has an experience. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to resist the resistance. Oh, resistance is arising. How amazing. <laughs> Thank you. It's very helpful. And it's 9 o'clock, so we need to stop. Thank you.